You are listening to sound. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, their utterance to the ends of the world. In conjunction with AxeChristianity.com. And welcome to the Rose City Forum, P-Town. So good to be with you here live, finally back from Thailand. Of course, we did the one interview with none other than Roy Culkins, who sat in for me at least part of the time while I was gone, and of course, Jeanette Chafee the week before that. Uh, but we uh, came back for that interview, and I got to tell you something. I was, I think, totally zoned out for that entire interview because the jet lag was just absolutely crushing me, and I am still feeling that a little bit. I think going about 14 time zones and roughly 24 hours can really take a lot out of you. So here we are back in the studio, and I've got to tell you something. I am so blessed to be here today with you and with our wonderful guest, David O'Brien and his wife, Sonia. And David is the author of a terrific book called Return to Acts Christianity, The Reformation, God, His People Are Yearning For, Beyond the Walls of Traditional Church Structure. And uh, David, Sonia, it's great to have you in studio with us live here on the Rose City Forum. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tim. It's great to be here. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here. Well, and these guys flew all the way. No, not really. They drove down from Seattle yesterday and actually were supposed to be scheduled on the program next week. But David said, hey, we've got an opening in our schedule. Can we come down a little early? And I said, absolutely. Let's make that happen. So they are here with us today to talk about this great book, Return to Acts Christianity. But also, folks, we're going to keep them afterwards. We're going to record a program we will air tomorrow in which we will talk about some work they did in India. And I am very excited to talk all about that as well. And isn't it interesting, everybody, what's going on all over the world in the church And God is using powerful individuals. This is a very young couple here, and I just look at them and say, wow, I'm just so amazed at how God is using them. Um, So first, uh, David, I want to ask you something. This title of your book, Return to Acts Christianity, this book obviously stirred some juices inside of you and made you want to put some things on paper and say, hey, I think, church, there's a few things we need to be thinking about Maybe we've gone a little sideways. At least that's what I gained from what little bit I had read. Uh, And uh, uh, by the way, for the listeners, we're going to be bringing David back to do a more in-depth interview on the book because I've only been able to skim read it up to this point. And uh, since we brought him in early for the interview, we're just going to do a brief overview for this hour, and then we're going to be bringing him back for a more in-depth discussion. But Given uh, what I read so far, it seems like God really stirred something in you that suggests maybe the church has gotten a little off. What do you think about that? Yeah, to put it lightly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I believe that Jesus, our great shepherd, is always caring for his sheep, and he knows the things that we need at the different stages of our development. And he also chooses to uh, reveal his secrets and his solutions to big problems mm. to his little sheep, you know, and we all need each other because some solutions he'll give to to one and a, a different solution to another. So we always have to keep our ear to the ground and listen to each other to find out what the Lord is going to say, and especially what the Lord is going to say to his people, to his, his churches. 
So he's taught me some things through his word and through some other individuals um, and through experience that I had in various parts of the world being part of this huge body, which is called the body of Christ. I'm so privileged to be part of it. And uh, so as I learned those things, I treasured them in my heart. I, they helped me with the frustration of seeing what goes on out there and uh, the frustration that I think all disciples experience in their walk on the narrow path, the more that they encounter the differences between um, our religious culture and environment that we sometimes find ourselves, ourselves in and what the Word of God actually says in the book of Acts and in the epistles. And so through that frustration, I sought more, and the Lord wonderfully provided and has continued to, and continues to teach me on uh, how to return to the book of Acts Christianity. Now, I have to say, uh, for the sake of our listeners, when, when you put in the title, Beyond the Walls of Traditional Church Structure, I mean, right away, David, you know, people are going to be like, oh, you know, hand on the hip, who is this guy to be telling us that we need to make some changes or get back to some more purity in our thinking, more biblically centric? But David, you're a really good company on this program because I have talked all the time about the fact that we're getting off-center, that we need to come back to some real strong, biblically-centric thinking. And I've talked about that top to bottom, front to back, whether it has to do with our understanding of of the moral issues that God addresses, as well as uh, social justice, all of these things that where the world has a narrative, and then the church has taken that narrative and made it their own instead of the narrative of the church becoming the narrative of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think God created that narrative very clearly in the scriptures, but human tradition, human Mm -hmm. systems, all of those things kind of get in the way. And I think something that I uh, clearly recognized in your book is how you are saying maybe we need to look less to human tradition and that history and get more into the first century launch of the church and how do we understand how to return to some of that. Is that a fair assessment here? Very fair, absolutely. Uh, all right, so, so let me then ask you, why do you think that matters in this day of age? I mean, I, I mean here, here we've got David O'Brien coming along and writing this book to sort of recenter us on something that has gotten off skew from, you know, 2,000 years. So, that, you know, right. that's, that's kind of a big statement, you know? Yeah, and it's a big privilege to be one of the many, many who are digging through the Scriptures and finding these uh, kind of lost blueprint that God put in the Scriptures for us. Thankfully, the Scriptures could never be changed, has not been changed in all of these 2,000 years, and they're still there for us to see. You know, I think uh, we're obviously we're all dependent on the spirit of truth to lead us into all truth. And he works different things in each of us at different times. Um, but uh, what I've noticed in all, most of my Christian walk is that many, 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 many Christians out there feel that there's more, that there must be more to the faith. Um, and we have an experience with Jesus that blows us away, that gets us walking on the narrow path, that just takes our heart, takes our, causes us to commit everything to the death. We love this King and this Lord that gave himself for us, his own blood, you know, shed it all on the cross so that we could know him and know the Father and fulfill his great commission. And then in starting to try to do that, you know, some of the resistance, some of the things that we see um, around us and some of the frustrations that are there, I just want to give relief to God's people to say, 
I'm, you're not the only one having that. I've had that. We've all had that. Who's walking on the narrow path? We go against the grain. We go upstream. And those frustrations we could maybe see as growing pains and that the reality is the Lord has an answer and solution for every one of those in his word. And so that's what I'm here to help bring out some of the answers, some of the solutions that God has in his word for church and for how to reach the world. Now, you may have heard the term the holy discontent, but that's what I think I read in this book is that mm. you've had an experience, you've, you've been a part of the church, you've viewed the the present structures, mm -hmm. and you kind of said, wait a minute, you know, maybe some of what's not working is because we're not following the model God arranged and set up for us. Um, yeah. So what what is that model in, mm -hmm. in sort of a broad way of thinking? What is that model? Well, you know, I believe that God uh, has made things a lot more simple in the Scripture than we usually experience um, because... When you look back in the book of Acts, you see the pure blueprint of what the Lord Jesus trained his disciples to do. He sent them out. You see challenge that the challenges that they face, but you also see them overcoming those challenges, and those challenges turn into opportunities to advance the, the kingdom of God further, including persecution, witchcraft they had to deal with, uh, false doctrine, uh, various things. Hmm. But then we also see, when you look through history a little bit, and uh, we see that there were many, many changes made to the way Christians met, mm -hmm. to the leadership structure, and uh, to the identity of church or the church, uh, God's church, God's churches, in the second century, the third century, the fourth century, until eventually we entered into the dark ages. And that was not the will of God for the Lord's church. Um, it was something that we had to go through. Many of God's people were martyred at that, at that time for trying to sincerely follow the Lord. But the, great, the good news is that um, I believe at this time, God's calling his people back to what has always been in the Scripture, in the book mm -hmm. Acts. You asked what's a broad overview of the, the structure of the church. Well, I'd like to just quickly give a broad overview. Basically, you are the church. If you're a believer in Jesus the King and you believed he rose from the dead, and you've made him your Lord. You were born again and made into a new creation, and you were included in the body of Christ. And being in the body of Christ means you're automatically in his church. And what his church means, if you look at the word ecclesia, what it actually means is it's a legislature. It is his ruling instrument on earth, and it's his. It belongs to a king. Uh, but rather than to get into too many details about the, word, the, the definition of church, I just want to say you're the church. And because you're the church... You're free to be the church. You don't need to necessarily, the, the whole terminology of go to church sometimes just puts a big, huge load on people's backs because they're thinking, oh, I need to find the right church for me. I need to do this and that. When really, just stop and look in the mirror for a minute. You're the church. And so now when we figure out that that's our identity, that this is who we are, it creates a rest in us that we're already okay with God when he, when he justified us. It was thorough. We are righteous. Mm -hmm. We don't need to try to become righteous by um, following certain religious traditions. We need to recognize who we are, what we are already by the grace of God in Christ, that we are his people, and that is his church. And then we need to figure out how to live it. And in the book of Acts, it was quite simple, uh, but it's very different. I will say this very clearly. It is extremely different, the way that they lived and the way that they 
um, the structure that and the way that they met in the New Testament Christianity. Yeah, I actually find that very interesting because in Burma, I'm sorry, Burma, in Thailand, well, I've been to Burma too, but in Thailand most recently when I was able to preach in Bangkok, one of the, uh, the points that I made was out of Romans 10 in which uh, here Paul is saying, you know, which of us can say to, to Jesus, come down from heaven or come up from the grave or any of these things? And the point that I was making to the people there was, you cannot compel God to do what he already did by grace. And the mm-hmm. thing about the, as I called the message, uh, the epic partnership or the uh, the epic love story really is the partnership between the groom and the bride to do a great uh, mission is to really recognize that when you know your position in Christ and you realize the incredible blessing it is that God says, I want you to be my partner, my bride, and it's this love story, and to go out and reach this world, it's really Jesus saying, you're going to do great work, and it's going to be really uh, it's gonna it's gonna be powerful, and there are gonna be people who are gonna get saved, and they're gonna be get they're gonna get saved by the hundreds of thousands. And I I love the fact that all we have to do is get back to the simplicity of mm-hmm. the way God went about it. I mean, He just cho- chose rather ordinary people to do extraordinary things, but we seem to overcomplicate this process so much through our structures. And I love the fact that you recognize God created really kind of a, a holy legislature, a, a process of, of how things should should be done. So when we come back from the break, uh, David, what I want to do is is really get into the meat a bit of, of, of what you see in returning to the book of Acts and how it can help us as a church today to get re-centered. So folks, we're going to take a break now, but when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with David O'Brien and his very quiet and lovely, beautiful wife, Sonia, that is sitting off to the side. I'm sure she'll chime in anytime she wants. She's looking at me like, don't count on her, but uh, she will for the next segment anyway. But uh, the book is called Return to Acts Christianity. It's by author David O'Brien. And uh, the byline here of the book is the Reformation God and his people are yearning for beyond the walls of traditional church structure. In a minute, we will get back into our discussion on Return to Acts Christianity with David O'Brien. But right now, we've got to take a break here on the Rose City Forum, and we'll see you back in a few minutes. Become a sponsor of the Rose City Forum. Call KKPZ right now at 503-242-1950. The Rose City Forum with Timothy Moore on KKPZ 1330, The Truth. Welcome back to the Rose City Forum, folks, where we're talking to David O'Brien, the author of Return to Acts Christianity, and I am really enjoying where we are going with this discussion. Now, folks, I want to set this up because uh, every once in a while throughout the history of the church, there are people that God raises up to start, I suppose, for lack of a better way to put it, a revolution. <laughs> so, you know, and, and David and I were talking over coffee earlier today. Uh, that's not something that we necessarily like sign up for. Okay, God, I've raised my hand. I want to be a revolutionary. But uh, sometimes he just calls us and we have to step into that place in faith and say, okay, God, we're going to do what we need to do. And this book is really doing that. Uh, the thing that I shared with David, everybody, during our coffee earlier was that when, as I was starting to read it, and I, I need to dig into it even more, which is why we're going to do a, a second interview later more in-depth, uh, but I've got to tell you, I started to be uh, stirred to tears. And the reason is is because 
as much as I would love the church, I could never love it as much as Jesus. And when I read the book of Acts, when I read uh, this wonderful author's take on all of that and why it's important for us to return to that centric thinking, it's um, you know something that I resonate with because I do see the church has gotten off center. And folks, I just want to encourage you, you know, the church is supposed to be a powerful force of influence for the kingdom of God Mm -hmm. and advancing the kingdom. And the fact that we allow ourselves to get off is is sometimes because we lack the faith to realize that God works in these wonderful ways. And I just want to set this up for us, David, because, you know, the Old Testament sets in motion a story through the nation of Israel that ultimately was going to be the law cannot save you, but a Messiah is coming through the nation of Israel, and that would be Jesus. Jesus yes. comes on the scene, and now he is going about his ministry. And by the way, I've been taking our church through the book of Mark and doing that on our Teaching Tuesdays here on the radio. And it's wonderful to see things when, for example, when the man was lowered down through the roof, um, to, to the, the, you know, his friends want to get this guy before Jesus. And then the first thing Jesus does is he forgives his sin. And the, and the Pharisees there say, well, only God can forgive sin. And basically Jesus is like, yeah, I agree with you. So, you know, because he knew yeah. who he was, right? But it's beautiful to see that as the story of Jesus' ministry is unfolding, he chooses these ordinary people, as I said mm-hmm. earlier. And then later he's going to say in, uh, you know, Matthew where he, he gives the Great Commission, go and make disciples, start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts. And he just gives them the marching orders and then says, I will always be with you. Yes. And then the day of Pentecost yes. comes and we see this powerful mm-hmm. anointing and the Holy Spirit is at work. And then the book of Acts starts to become reality. And we can now read it Mm -hmm. and look back and see everything God did. But, you know, there are people today, as you know, Mm -hmm. that say, oh, well, you know, that was it. That was then. God doesn't really move that way today and this and that. But what say you about that? All Scripture is God-breathed and given for instruction, for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, so that the man of God, the woman of God, will be fully equipped for every good work. And the Acts, the book of Acts was put in the Word of God and is part of the Word of God for that purpose. So it is an example, it is a blueprint, it is training for us to continue the work that they started, which will not be completed until the Lord comes back. Amen. And I totally agree with that, which is why I say we are the the twenty ninth chapter of Acts. We're the continuing story yeah. in the present age today. So mm-hmm. I want to ask you then, going back to the book of Acts, reading it, unpacking it, and applying it to our life, why does that even matter for us today? Well, um, because of the successes that the early apostles and disciples and everybody involved had, um, which were recorded specifically by the Holy Spirit, um, put, put there for us, provided for us to understand how we can fulfill our calling in our generation. Um, You know, I feel that God, with the book of Acts and with the other epistles, he's given us lights. He's given us flashlights, you could say. We're Mm -hmm. going through a dark tunnel. There's spiders. There's, you know, stuff seeping off the ceiling. It's it's cold. But God has provided us a headlamp, and he's provided us a flashlight and matches and whatever we need. And we need to utilize those things to get through this tunnel. I believe that, you know, as God's people for the last 2,000 years, we've been in some ways stuck in that tunnel and moving slowly 
very slowly through it, but it, to me it just shows the patience and the tolerance of our Father that he is rich in mercy, love, and tolerance and patience, and he knows we're going to get it someday. We're going to get it. We're going to unify. We're going to do the things that Jesus said that we can and will do on this earth, you know, because he, he, he said amazing things. If we look at the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see what Jesus said that his people would be able to do after he left. And the fact that he sent the the comforter, the spirit of truth to lead us, and that the challenge that he gave us to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every nation. The, these things are huge. These things are not small. They're, they're big. And he gave us the equipment that we needed. And part of it is the word of God, which includes the book of Acts. And I think that that statement right there, he gave us the equipment Mm-hmm. And God would not send us out and not equip us to do what he called us to do. So let me ask you something. Why mm-hmm. do you think today there are those that would deny the power and the authority of God's word? For example, in social justice, mm-hmm. we go out and we serve a lot, but we never tell anybody why we're doing it. We don't give mm-hmm. them the gospel message. We don't tell them Jesus loves you. He's got a great plan for your life, and he wants to forgive you for sin. You know, brother, when's the last mm-hmm. time you or I heard a message on we need to repent for sin, you know. But in the book of Acts, we see it everywhere, and then people are receiving the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're being healed, and there's all kinds of powerful things happening. I, I think it happens today, and I think God wants it yes, to happen today. Absolutely. You know, we're in a war against an enemy who was defeated on the cross. When Jesus died, and it says he shed all his blood, and he canceled the law uh, in, in its accusation against us. And he did so many things on that cross. But one of the things he did is he crushed the head of the serpent for us. We could never, ever have risen up and defeated Satan. It just was impossible in our state of helplessness, in our state of sin. But Jesus did it for us. And so this is the enemy that we're fighting. Because of that, he is the most cunning, slippery snake possible. He hides behind deception. He attacks us in ways that we don't expect. And thankfully, by the grace of God, we can, over a process of time, learn to defeat him in all the areas that we're going to have to be faced. This is God's promise to us Hmm. um, in many scriptures. But this enemy tries to obscure the truth. He tries to get us distracted, and he tries to also, anything that's going to hurt him, he's going to try to bring confusion, division, and so discord in those areas. So we need to be devoted to the scripture more than anything, more than anyone around us. Mm. And I think you made a powerful observation earlier, which I will repeat here. You said in the early church they were battling things like witchcraft, false Mm -hmm. teaching, and so forth. Uh, I see very little has changed, actually. Mm -hmm. I think we battle false teaching today. I think we battle... Mm -hmm. Uh, a world of the, uh, you know, occult, but by way of giving over to false ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I suppose real witchcraft as well, but I'm really talking yeah. about more of, of the idea that we uh, don't, we don't understand the reality of the true spiritual world, and so we embrace mm-hmm. a false spiritual world. And then, in, and then in the church, I think we even say we're not sure there is a spiritual world. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would tell people, look, go back and let's read the stories, for example, of Daniel praying, yeah. and then an angel appears and said, we sat out on the first day, and mm-hmm. he, you know, it was 21 days later, but he said, I had to call on Michael to come help me because we were battling the Prince of Persia. And mm-hmm. I often say to people, David, that if we could unzip this realm, stick our head into the spiritual world, what we would see, it would wow and amaze us. Absolutely. But that realm yeah. is there. 
And and when we pray and our effect and when we engage in the battle, when we are making disciples, as Jesus called us to, we are directly engaging that battle. Mm -hmm. And God established that in the first century. He said, as we go out, he is going to be with us and watch these amazing things happen. And it puts the enemy on notice. You know, the enemy hates a man or woman of God who's so passionate and that's what I love about your book. It's saying, let's just get back to some stuff that we've lost yes, and return right. to that foundation. And as you know, we cannot build a structure mm-hmm. unless we have a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you mentioned in the book is about eldership structure. Yes, sir. And we do have elders in churches today, mm-hmm. but I think what you've observed from the book of Acts is a little bit different than the manifestation we see today. Let's talk about that as well. All right. Well, yeah, if you look in the book of Acts, uh, as well as the rest of the New Testament, we see that the leadership were called elders. And there is a lot of confusion uh, regarding leadership and titles of leadership today. But that's another reason why we need the book of Acts. That's another reason why we need to go back to the scriptures and see exactly what it said and just go back by that um, and interpret what we're doing by it instead of vice versa, instead of interpreting it by what we're doing which is obviously a big mistake. So Mm. what we need to do is uh, observe that. And so we see in the scripture that elders were appointed um, in cities. Paul told Titus and he told Timothy, appoint elders in every city. Um, And it says that Paul and Barnabas and whatever other apostles in the book of Acts, you could see that they went out and they appointed elders, it says, in every church. So we see that the boundaries of a church is quite different than what we've thought. And that also affects the way that we see eldership. But we can talk more about Mm -hmm. it. Um, Well, keep going for a minute. We've got some time. Basically, an elder is a in the ancient world was a community leader. And we see in the in the New Testament, Jesus trained apostles and sent them out. And immediately in the book of Acts, you see this group called the Apostles and the Elders, the Apostles and the Elders. Mm. And this was a leadership council in Jerusalem. Later, we see them in every city where Christianity went. You have this eldership council, and these are the leaders of the communities of the people of God. And so they were humble, but they had certain responsibilities that we absolutely need to recognize today because they're very different than what we've uh, practiced in our current understanding. Now, that's very interesting. So, folks, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to explore a little bit more about that leadership structure because I think it's crucial for us to get clear on how we've moved away from that and why some of the power of the church has gone away as well as a result. So, folks, when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion on the return to Acts Christianity with David O'Brien here on the Rose City Forum. We'll see you back in a few minutes. Keep KKPZ with you wherever you go. On your smartphone or tablet, use the TuneIn Radio app. The TuneIn app is free, and you can download it from the iTunes App Store or on Google Play. With the free TuneIn Radio app, you can have KKPZ at your fingertips at work, at home, on the go, and around the world. Never miss your favorite KKPZ show again. Listen on your smartphone or tablet with the free TuneIn Radio app. The Rose City Forum with Timothy Moore on KKPZ 1330 The Truth. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rose City Forum, where we are having a very engaging and interesting discussion with our author, David O'Brien, who wrote a wonderful book, Return to Acts Christianity, The Reformation God and His People are Yearning for Beyond the Walls of Traditional Church Structure. Now, when we went to the break, we talked a little bit about the eldership, 
And the way that we think of eldership today doesn't really seem to match too much of what we see in the book of Acts. But before we dig into that, one of the things that you mentioned was you you talked about the apostolic in and alongside the eldership. Now, I want to ask you, there are people today who say there are no apostles. Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, I absolutely disagree, uh, although it is true that there are no uh, that the 12 apostles were unique. When we look in the scripture that Jesus appointed them, they had to be with him for three years or however long his ministry was on earth. They had to be witness to the resurrect, to the death and resurrection of the Lord. And they have a special place in the New Jerusalem. We'll see in the book of uh, Revelation. Those are unique. There are no more of those, obviously. Um, however, Paul was a, another one. Um, and when you look through the New Testament, you actually... Uh, sometimes that the word apostle is mistranslated into other words to kind of obscure this truth, but we actually can find at least 12 other um, apostles that were appointed after Jesus rose from the dead. And if you look in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 11, it speaks of Jesus after raising from the dead, appointing for his people apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and shepherds um, to equip his people for works of ministry. So his people should be equipped, should be ministering, and to do so, one of the things that we need in addition to the Word of God is um, equippers, and some of those are apostles. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, I do teach, David, and it's fine if you disagree with this. We can have this discussion live on the air. But I teach that I believe from Ephesians 4.11 that all of those areas, apostle, prophet, Mm -hmm. pastor, teacher, and evangelist, should be present in every church. Do you Mm -hmm. agree or disagree with that statement? I believe that that's the word. That's the will of God. I think that it may take time to bring those gifts out among Yay! God's people. Yeah, <laughs> I believe that you know He's working to bring all of the gifts. You know, I believe that He's and and I, I'd like to make this statement in the later in the book of Ephesians four. It talks about the whole body builds itself up in love. I believe that all of the needs of the body of Christ are found in the body of Christ, and that as we. Uh, Get the help we need. We'll see all the gifts emerge among us. I love that statement because I absolutely believe that. And I always teach this to pastors all over the world. I, you know, when they're struggling with, oh, our numbers are small or this and that. And that's my story now. I have a church of nine people. I mean, it's very small house church. Mm-hmm. And I have vision and belief that God will reach our community and it will mm-hmm. grow through that. But you know, the thing is, is that God, I think, gives every church just what they need and the spiritual mm-hmm. gifts and, and so on for it to thrive. He wouldn't mm-hmm. leave us to, to falter and not succeed. So, absolutely. and I see that in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. I see that there are just miracles after miracle after miracle mm-hmm. that happen. And then God is growing a church that uh, just continues in spite of all the persecution and everything that goes about, it continues to thrive and grow. And that's the heart of God. So, mm-hmm. Um, so back to the eldership thing, though, where do you think we've gotten off in the idea of eldership as it compares to the first century church? Well, I think that we don't simply see elders as leaders. You know, within the Protestant movements, um, there are, I've observed two types of traditions regarding elders and pastors that typically... Some groups will put a a council of elders above the pastor, and some will put, and and typically each group has a pastor, or as I just stated, the pastor, which I really can't find in Scripture. Um, If you can, give me a call, but uh, 
Literally speaking, you cannot find that unless we're talking about the Lord himself. He is the shepherd. He is the one shepherd, the scripture says. He is our shepherd, my shepherd, your shepherd. But when it comes to the men who, who he appoints as his under shepherds, as well as, um, you know, the, the leaders that he appoints, uh, we see that the hierarchy didn't exist in the first century. And we can clearly see when it started in history as well and how it started, possibly even why it started. But what's most important is to just, if we focus on the scripture itself, we see that it did not exist. Instead, you had elders who are called overseers and told to shepherd the people of God. Uh, can I, if I just... Well, well, yeah. well, do you believe that a uh, sort of a, a singular leader rises out of that eldership to kind of be sort of the point person, or what do you see mm-hmm. there? I mean, I'll, I'll give you one example mm-hmm. that I think I see is yes. Paul, when he was helping to mentor Timothy, eventually installed him as uh, the leader in Ephesus, for mm-hmm. example, but... Um, it sounds to me, and we discussed this over coffee, that you uh, see more of the plurality of mm-hmm. eldership or leadership. Uh, but explain that a bit more. Yeah, well, that's one of the beauties, I think, of the Scripture, is that whereas Peter was obviously taking a leadership role starting in the book of Acts chapter 2, he didn't become, like, he didn't take another title. He didn't become like the great apostle or the pope or the senior apostle or anything like that. He was still just an apostle, which was a pretty humble term. It wasn't the great awe-inspiring term that we see it as now. Actually, it was... Uh, I think our Catholic <laughs> brethren would dis- dispute that. But yes, <laughs> yeah, no, right, I'm exactly. in full agreement <laughs> yeah. with you that that's yeah. been misinterpreted. Yeah, and you know, you just it's just not in Scripture. You know, that's what we really got to go back to. And so we see that they actually, their ambition, because the way the Lord thoroughly trained them, and the example that he gave was their ambition was to go down, not to go up. They actually took steps down to serve God's people and to lift others up, and that's what made them great in God's eyes, not in human eyes. So you don't get pats on the back often for going down. Yes, and I think Paul understood that, for example, in Philippians, when he spoke of Jesus as the model, he said he took on the nature of a servant. He humbled himself, even though he had equality in in the position of heaven is being as Colossians teaches mm-hmm. the firstborn of creation. I mean, he is the creator. Mm-hmm. And so right, here, absolutely. you know, yet, yet wow. Paul is saying he went to the lowest place and yeah. led by example that we're to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is remarkable, I think, everybody, that when we lift up others above ourselves, uh, the the powerful irony here is that we get everything we need out of that, and so mm-hmm. did that person. And the church grows and thrives, and the world sees a model that they can find very attractive, and it's compelling to bring you to Christ. So Absolutely. anyway, that's my yeah. take on it. Hallelujah. But this is about you and your book, brother, so continue. Well, well, on that, <laughs> thank you, thank you. On that note, if you look at the cover, I've got a picture of four geese flying. Yes, I um, see that. They're kind of leaving the land, which would represents the um, traditions of man mm-hmm. and being kind of earthbound, which okay. is not our place. Our place is to be in Christ, in the heavens with them, in the heavenly, seated with them, ruling while we're on earth. So Amen. The, the four geese here uh, represent what one brother called the wisdom of the geese. And he prayed and asked God about leadership. And and what he felt he got as an answer was that study geese. And, I, and, and what he came up with was the fact that you know, a, a goose or a geese is a, is a goose is a goose, all right? The geese are, they're, they're all geese. But when you look at the way they fly, they fly in a V formation. One takes the leadership role 
for a time until he gets tired. And, and then he can away. back away. I have the, observed that. And he goes back yes. and he gets to rest behind the others while another takes the front. So this is the part of the wisdom that I believe God, you know, we can see clearly that God has put in having teams of leadership mm-hmm. of elders over cities. Um, and when I say over, there are some mistranslations in the scripture that talk about, um, that use the word over, and sometimes it's it's not even that word. It's, it's, it's amazing the amount of attack that's been launched against this subject of leadership um, because the devil knows it's crucial to our survival and success yes, as disciples. They're well, not necessarily, quote-unquote, over you. They do oversee us, um, but they're among us, it says. The elders who are among you, I exhort, um, I who also am a co-elder, Peter said, an associate elder as an apostle. And he told them to be humble and, and be an example. Yes, and one of the biggest mistakes I think we've made is creating the idea of the super pastor. First of all, how what a terrible thing to that individual, mm-hmm. but what violence it has done to the gospel and to the church. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and I think when we've sort of said, all right, you're the super pastor, you do everything... Part of that is we've let ourselves off the hook for our own responsibility to mm-hmm. owning our faith and owning the fact mm-hmm. that we have to share the gospel with other people. And I love the the idea that you're recognizing this really is something where we all share in a very lateral line here the responsibilities, and at times mm-hmm. different people will shift into places of, of sort of you know rallying the troops and saying, come on, let's go, but... Uh, we do not do church even remotely like this. So <laughs> that's fair. So uh, we've I, lost a lot of it. Yeah, I so. think we have. And uh, how do you think we get that back, brother? Well, I believe we're doing the right thing right now because Jesus said the truth will set you free. We've got to have a devotion and a love for the truth, um, and we've got to continue to move forward. The Lord is patient with us, but He provides His Word in order to renew our minds, and that's how we're transformed. So I believe we'll be transformed super, supernaturally into what God is looking for as we continue to let our minds be renewed by the truth. And that requires the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Um, the, the, where some of our hang-ups are, I think, is in recognizing truth over tradition. Because mm-hmm. the traditions are passed down, and uh, we don't even notice them. They come, we accept them. All of us do this, and all, you know, all of us. And so uh, I think that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, He's got a, a, a plow, you know? He's got yes. a plow, and He's willing to dig deep to help us to get what we need. So along the continuum in the first century, moving on into the era of the apostles to the apostolic fathers and so on, where do you think we really began to just so, you know, get far off, skewed, where we really began to move away? When do you think that happened? You know, at the end of the first century, second, third? Where do you think it really began to get off? Actually, uh, that's an excellent question. Um, but if I could back up just for a sec to mention the, the role of elders and, and one just one aspect of leadership that we need to reform to. We talked about uh, several points already, but one thing that the elders were all called in the scripture is uh, overseers. And the, the term overseer was translated bishop. Um, it was mistranslated bishop. And it actually, within tradition, as you know, according to your, in answer to your question, in the second century and further on, it became a different level. But if you look in the scripture, it, actually the elders are called the overseers. It's just two titles for the same person, mm-hmm. or the same role. And, uh, and that literal translation is not bishop. Uh, 
it's actually overseer or supervisor or manager, if you look at it in modern language. But what's so important about this is that an overseer doesn't do all the work. An overseer watches. So you mentioned Super Pastor, who unfortunately has so much responsibility on his shoulders to do all the ministry and to be the great person in the focus. But in actual fact, overseer is a quiet job. They watch the others do their work and make sure that they succeed in what they're supposed to do. So there's room in original Christianity for everyone to fulfill their own ministry, which this has been given to them by the Lord himself. You know, whenever... <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh about this, but whenever I think of the idea of the super pastor, I can't get the image out of my head of some guy standing there with like, you know, the fish clenched, kind of, you know, the fist on his hips. He's got like a cape. He's, it says SP on his shirt in some sort of fancy logo. And then he's like, you know, able to leap uh, tall uh, bounds of bad doctrine in a single <laughs> sermon or something. I have no idea, but... Brother, I think it has done so much violence to the gospel. I think you are so right. If we could just get back to people understanding God has equipped you to do amazing things, and the the job of an overseer is to help guide you on that Mm -hmm. process. And then, uh, you know, but not to do everything. If we could get back to people understanding, you got to own your faith, get passionate about it. But I think people, David, don't realize that they can. Yeah, and you know, I think that's part of the Reformation is giving room for them to actually be able to. Mm, Amen. All right, well, folks, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with David O'Brien and his book, Return to Acts Christianity. What a wonderful book, brother. You're really shaking up the foundation, and I love it. All right, folks, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we will continue our discussion with David O'Brien here on the Rose City Forum. The Rose City Forum with Timothy Moore. On KKPZ 1330, The Truth. And all right, there we are with the music from Superman, because we've been talking about the super pastor, which we said we reject, and I've got all smiles here in the studio (laughs) as we are getting the image of the the logo with the SP and the, the super pastor flying around. He's defeating demons over there, and he's healing people over there, and he's taking care of the administration. He's even making the coffee at the church. And uh, my goodness gracious, everybody's like, well, that's your job, pastor. I don't have to do anything. You're like, please take out the trash. And they're like, no, that's your job, pastor, <laughs> which I think has uh, no relation whatsoever to the way the church is supposed to be, according to the book of Acts. And you wanted to underscore that from Scripture uh, right now, my brother. So what is it that you want to share with us? Well, we, we see in Scripture that, two, uh, first of all, we see two examples, um, kind of the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. And that's what the Lord Jesus, as you mentioned earlier about Philippians chapter 2, how he lowered himself and he went further and further to the lowest point and God raised him up to the highest. Mm-hmm. And another example is Lucifer, who looked up and desired what was above and sought it and tried to get for himself a higher position, and he was thrown down. Yes. And so what we learn from Scripture and these examples and many others like them from the book of Genesis on all the way through to the book of Revelation is that the first will be last and the last will be first, and that um, what our Father who wants us to 
he wants us to be blessed in this age and the next. What he wants us, the model that he wants us to follow is Jesus's, which really is not about trying to become the next, you know, super pastor or, you know, have the most people that are supposedly yours in your city or whatever in the world. You know, these ambitions often that a person has just simply got off track. And these leaders that have gotten into that, we need to intercede for them and uh, love them because they've been deceived. And so anyway, you asked me, uh, Tim, how, when did this start? When did this kind of thing start in, in, um, to affect the church? And we see in the, in the book of Third uh, John, one example of it already starting to happen before the end of the first century. And that was a situation in which, uh, thank God it's in the scripture for us today, but the, uh, the apostle John, who here calls himself an elder also on the first verse, um, but he says that in verse 9, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. So, and he goes on and says what else the, that Diotrephes was doing. He was doing a lot of damage. But the, the point was that he loved to have the preeminence among them. Yes, taking and, the spotlight and mm-hmm, so on. Right. And, and this really is a problem. It is a problem among God's people. If you find leadership that way, or people, individuals who are trying to raise themselves up above others and to take preeminence, glory, these kinds of things, it can really cause problems among us. You know, David, this problem is so prevalent in church planting circles Mm -hmm. because I have been through so many conference, you know, dynamics and and roundtable discussions, all that, and the discussion that always comes up is, so what are you running on Sunday? Meaning, how many people attend your Mm -hmm. church? And it first and foremost, it's the wrong question to ask. Right. The question that should be asked is, what's the footprint of God in your congregation? Mm-hmm. Where's God moving? What is the good word of the Lord? You know, <laughs> things like yeah. that. And we don't even get into, you know, nine or 9,000, whatever doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Um, but human nature being what it is, we see low numbers and we think there's something wrong with us. And, mm-hmm. and I struggled with that. Um, mm-hmm. And my wife actually said to me, she said, you once said five or 500 or 5,000, you would be the same. And mm-hmm. so maybe God was testing whether that was true. And I was like, you know, I really hate it when my <laughs> wife has to be so right and wise, you know. But yeah. we're blessed men to have wise wives in our life. Right. and Keep uh, us on track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and And yet the thing is... Even if you had large numbers and you'd say, well, that's a blessing of God. But in reality, brother, the truth is that in the church today, evangelism is very low. Mm -hmm. And what's actually happening is transfer growth. People just moving from one church to another church. And then they say, well, we got bigger. God must be blessing it. And we're like, "Um, actually, you just had a great show. And that's Mm -hmm. why a lot of people came. Not that I want to judge that. But uh, to segue here, you mentioned in part five of your book, um, you start to talk about the activities of the church, teaching, fellowship, yes. financially caring for others, and prayer and praise and the priestly offerings. And then you talk about evangelism and so mm-hmm. on. Um, where are we getting off today in those areas? You know, yeah. we do quite a bit of, like I said, social mm-hmm. justice and different things. Yeah. But where do you see we're getting off today? Well, you know, all of these questions, I really want to encourage the listener, listener to take a... Um, to be patient and really dig deep into the scriptures for answers to these questions, because there are uh, there are uh, there are answers, but they're not all simple. Um, I think that we are all first of and foremost on our foundation of even what a church is. I think that um, if we look in the scripture more, 
and I document this in this in this book, um, which, by the way, you could find if you're interested. If it's for you at this time in your life, it's at www.axe.today. So it's at axe.today is where you can get a copy. Today we have a promotion on this particular day. We have a promotion for a Kindle ebook. It's free on Amazon. So if you go to Return to Axe Christianity, you'll find it free there. Um, but my point here is that I think that we're so far off in our structure that many of the problems that we experience and encounter are actually leaves. They're not roots to what we're dealing with. Uh, wow. I Great that, statement. You know, I believe that the, in actual fact, uh, the reason why um, church growth is is stifled, um, often that the leaders go through, have so much pressure on them. Let me put it this way simply, rather than trying to get into all the details. We have an enemy who has put all of his effort for the last 1900 years in destroying us. And he's not just out in the world on the street corner where the drug dealer is. He's attacking us where we are every day, every Sunday. And now the Lord is so much greater than him and his help for us is so much better and greater and his patience for us is so much greater. He will help us defeat this enemy, but we have to start to recognize the signs of him because the, 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 the spirits that that lived in the Pharisees, that used the Pharisees, that caused the Pharisees to go so far off, attack us today, and the Sadducees as well. So we need to learn to overcome these things. In one minute, let me ask you, do you think this is largely a Western church problem, or do you think it's really internationally an issue? I believe it's international, definitely. I've been in several uh, countries and various continents out there, and I've seen the exact same problems happen wherever you find the traditional church structure, which did start in Rome and was carried on throughout the whole world by the Protestant Reformation, which only changed the doctrine. It could not change the structure. So I believe that it's a problem that you find everywhere and that God's going to send his solution to the whole world as well. Well, you know, David, I got to tell you something. And folks, we're going to definitely bring David O'Brien back to really dig into the meat of this book. I promise you, my brother, uh, you know, we had to step up this interview by a week. I'm going to really dig into this. We're going to bring you back and we're going to really, really dive into the meat of what you're saying here. But folks, this is one of those books that comes along in a generation that you just say, this guy is shaking it up, man. He is uh, he's making trouble out there, <laughs> but in a good way. And, uh, brother, I want you to tell people how they can get the book, and let's talk about that Kindle promotion again, if you would. All right. It, we have a free um, promotion today for the ebook on Amazon, for the Kindle ebook. Just look for Return to Ex Christianity there, and you'll find it. If you buy the hardcover, I request that you go to uh, axe.today, www.axe.today. And last comment is just that this book really, um, truly, and honestly is not written out of bitterness or to accuse anybody. Um, I had to go through a maturation process. I matured a lot to be able to even Mm -hmm. write it. And when I did write it, it's written out of love. Is this axe.today.org.com? Just dot .today instead of .org or .com. Okay, yeah, just dot .today. .today. Okay, great. And then they can get a Kindle version as well by going Absolutely. to Amazon.com. It's free today on it's the 8th. It's free today. All right, folks, so uh, get your computers warmed up and go out there and take advantage of that. 
David, Sonia, it's great to have you here. Now, you're going to be sticking around for a recorded interview we're going to run tomorrow on your work in India. But, folks, again, the book is called Return to Acts Christianity. The author is David O'Brien. The Reformation of God and His People and What They Are Yearning For Beyond the Walls of Traditional Church Structure. And I just love this book, brother. I think you've done a great job. It's amazing. So uh, we're going to bring you back, and we're going to do an in-depth interview on the book again, probably somewhere uh, by the end of the summer, I hope. And uh, it's been great to have you both in studio. Once again, the book is called Return to Acts Christianity by author David O'Brien. And all right, folks, uh, have a wonderful day today, and we will see you back here tomorrow on the Rose City Forum with Timothy Moore.